The film which you are about to see is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths, in particular, Sally Hardesty and her invalid brother, Franklin. It is all the more tragic in that they were young. But had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected, nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see that day. For them, an idyllic summer afternoon drive became a nightmare. The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What the fuck is a reboot? Well, a reboot, boys, is when Hollywood wants to make a lot of money without the hassle of creating a new movie. So they take an old movie and change just enough to make you pay for the same shit all over again. Fucking animal. Oh, it's insidious. And welcome back to Reboot Deboot. I'm your co-host, Griffin. I am your other co-host, Alex. And uh, welcome back, guys. Thanks for joining us. Um, how you been, man? Uh, good. Good. I, uh an okay movie week i went and saw scream like the oh okay okay yeah. give us your a quick capsule review <laughs> alex's movie corner <laughs> if you like scream i would check it out if you don't like scream probably don't see it because it's very scream you know it's like a is it, it, it is it scream or stab well this one is scream and <laughs> in the in this you're like aware of the sort of the stab franchise within the I, I, universe I'm... right yeah so in this one, it's the stuff has been sort of quiet for a while. Um, I think the last Scream movie was Scream 4 in 2011. And in this movie, they're talking about the last Stab movie that came out around the same time and how much of a bummer <laughs> that was for all the real fans of the, of the franchise. <laughs> okay. And uh, so like in okay. each one, they kind of talk about like the horror movie rules of the, like in Scream 1, it was horror movie of- rules. And in Scream 2, it was sequel rules. And Scream 3, it was trilogy rules. Scream 4 was reboot rules, <laughs> and this one is just Scream, and they're talking about, they call them requels, which is actually like a really <laughs> good term, and it's that, thing right. that, it's that thing that Halloween did, where they take some of the original story and then drop the middle bits, and then they do a direct sequel, reboot, requel, and like, so that's right. what they're talking about in this one. Uh, yeah, is, it still West, is it still uh, Wes Craven? Wes Craven actually died in 20, Oh, in right. 2016 yeah. or something. So who's... Ta- yeah, I for- yeah, that I was... My bad. Rem- Sorry, everyone. <laughs> I don't remember the directors, but there is a character named Wes, probably as a tribute to him, and then, like, the <laughs> right. start like start with a tribute. There's a... Yeah, I totally blanked that Wes Craven passed, because... Yeah. Yeah, the, like, Scream was, like, his baby for the 90s, like... Yeah, I don't even know if he was involved in the 2011 one, either. Uh, he might have been. I... Wasn't that, like, the big thing? Like, he was returning to the franchise after, like, you know, so long away from it? I think it had been, like, ten years or something. I don't remember when the... Because, you know, the first three kind of came out in rapid succession, and then it was a long hiatus. And then four came out, and then it was 11 more years, and then the requel came out. Yeah, it was (laughs) fun. The requel. If you like Scream, (laughs) I would check it out. Um, Okay. How was, uh, was your week? Um, did a little bit of writing, a a little bit in the truest sense of the word, because 
I've been playing God of War like a motherfucker. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I've been doing that too. Or I played the been, campaign real quick. Mm, um, mm, I ooh, I've done more than the campaign. Yeah, I did a little bit of side I, stuff, but oh, I've done it all, man. Currently, the only thing I have to do now, I have to go around and kill those Valkyries. Oh, fun. Which is a pain in the ass. Yeah, I've killed and one. then uh, I've killed three so far out of eight. So uh, I've got to do that. I've got to do some stuff in Nephilim. And then I guess I'm just going to do a new game plus for the extra armor and the rest of the achievements. Right on. Cool. So, oh, and I've got to track down those Ravens too. I only uh, have like 10 left. No, I, I totally just didn't even realize they existed until I randomly threw an axe at one. I was like, oh, this is a collectible I've been missing the entire time. I'm just not going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So, but aside from that, um, it's really just that. Just uh, really, just just God of War, yeah. just Atreus and uh, Kratos. It was rough going through Atreus's uh, punk ass teenager phase for the like. Oh my god! <laughs> so like, uh, <laughs> so I'm playing God of War, and Alicia's like, you, you know, she's on the bed or whatever, and she's like on her phone or playing a game, and she has one ear, like one earphone off, or sometimes she's just listening. Or she'll be like momentarily distracted by cutscenes. So she was sit, like pretty aware of the story and the cutscenes and stuff. So when Atreus goes through his little teenage asshole thing and she first hears him go, whatever, she looks at him and she goes, Oh, we're playing that game now? Yeah. I was pretty, that made me laugh too. Cause I was like, This is like Asgard and he's raised by gods. Are there flippant gods that walk around being like, Whatever, man. I don't care. <laughs> I'm also like, you've been even... a god for like roughly in game time, maybe an hour. You need to calm down. Where did he even <laughs> learn to act like? Is that just a, maybe that's a thing that's innate in all like human shaped beings being shitty when they're so teens to I, teens or something. I actually have a theory for Atreus's attitude shift and why it starts so quickly and ends so quickly. Because shortly before he becomes a little dickhead like that, Kratos shares that wine with him. Oh, and <laughs> what do you think? it's like essentially the first time. It. Yeah, it's the first time that he's ever had alcohol. Yeah. And like, you have to imagine <laughs> it's true. like wine yeah. from ancient Greece. So it's got to be strong as hell. Atreus is maybe like 10. Yeah. yeah, like I absolutely because like it also wears off kind of quick. He's going to be a problem drinker. I think it's <laughs> a messed up stuff. If that's really what was going on. Gotta keep my wife in the hooch. <laughs> <laughs> the murder to yeah at least like uh when you kill spoiler alert when you kill modi or when atreus kills modi like he has the knife and he stabs him in the neck and kicks him over the precipice and then he's like this is a much nicer knife than mother's alicia's like what kind of psychopath is yeah, turning into yeah him? he goes he goes hard right very quickly he really he dives into that such an abrupt <laughs> turn from his like liking animals and being nice to Sindri and stuff. <laughs> Just, yeah, he gives Total Sindri asshole. shit. I'm like, yes. That was the worst part. I actually didn't use the shop for a while because I felt so bad until he made amends. <laughs> Can, like, also, a silent hero in the God of War game for me, I love Mimir. Oh, yeah, he was fantastic. I was really glad once he showed up because I was like, this is honestly, like, cool stuff happening but it's very dour and so like once Mimir yeah. showed up i was like finally some comic relief and also 
when Atreus is starting to like show inklings of just being a total asshole, Mimir's like, really? We're just going to let what he said stand? We're just going to leave that alone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's So how far did you make it into the game? Did you get the main campaign? I'm done, yeah. yeah. Okay, so when you're trying to like flip Tyr's temple? Oh, right. Yeah. I love when Mimir's like, can we stop saying flip the temple like it's normal? <laughs> yeah, he's he a lot of fun. <laughs> It's great. Um, anyway, that is not what we... This is not a video game podcast. Uh, this is a movie podcast, and the movie we are discussing today, features, as you heard from that intro... Features is, brutal uh, murders, just like God of War. <laughs> it is uh, 1974 and 2003, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Ring da ding 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 Ring, ding, 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 ring, ding, ding, ding. So, Alex, uh, what's your experience with Texas Chainsaw? Uh, for these two, I hadn't, I don't think I had seen the original because when I went back and watched it, it didn't seem very familiar. But I had seen the 2003 one in theaters. Um, I don't know. I think I knew, I feel like anyone who's been existed in America, even if you haven't seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you're aware of it as like being a big powerhouse, like horror movie franchise. Or maybe right. one they, yeah, yeah, like one of the OG like horror movies from when that was like a new genre, basically. Um, yeah. So I had only seen the 2003 one. I think I might have caught parts of that like 1994 one with McConaughey. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't quite remember. And like when we looked up the list for these, there's a crazy amount of these that have been made. Like, yeah. Like direct sequels yeah. to this one, and then like weird reboots in the '90s with direct sequels, and like more other yep. reboots in the 2000s <laughs> with direct sequels, and then like maybe a full-on remake later. It's a hard. hard it's to keep rough. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't know, but you know, I had basic understanding, like murder hillbillies, leatherface chainsaw, <laughs> creepy house in Texas. So. Um, it, Texas Chainsaw 1974, Texas Chainsaw 1986 were the same directors, mm-hmm. different screenwriters though. <clears throat> then in 1990, it's Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre three. Okay. Right. Then, so that's like the, that's like the trilogy, like the first trilogy, right? Right. So then in 1995, there's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation, then we jump to 2003 with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Then we jump to 2006 with Texas Chainsaw Massacre the beginning. Mm. Then we go to 2013 with Texas Chainsaw 3D. <laughs> then we go to 2017 with a movie called Leatherface, which is a Leatherface origin movie. Uh, and right. now we have a Netflix movie coming out called Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Man, it's funny going through <laughs> these because you can really see like the, uh, it's like, the 2013 like 3D was super big, and some people are just throwing 3D <laughs> movies out there to see what sticks. And then like They're... the origin story movie also big a few years later, and they did that too. They all like this. People can't help but just want to start this true like franchise over and over again. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? Like if you have a horror character that people like kind of know or whatever, you can. I, so I don't know like what time of the year these movies came out, but it's probably like a pretty safe bet if you release one of these around Halloween that a decent number of people will see it. Right? It's uh, it's uh, it's like 
October, August, January, March, October, October, January, October, and February. Yeah, I mean, that's what, like, Scream, or not Scream, ugh, uh, Saw did, right? Like, they had that ad campaign yeah. for a while where it was like, it's if it's Halloween, it must be another Saw movie. Right. <laughs> right. I don't think um, they said another. I think they just said it must be Saw, but we were all thinking it. Now... Now, I love the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. As a film, I think it's great because of its gritty, raw style. I think it does some uh, hallmarks of what would become what people consider like classic tropes now and cliches. And really, in much of the same way that Halloween and Friday the 13th and Psycho kind of like helped write the book of horror, I think Texas Chainsaw plays a huge instrumental part into that, too. Yeah, it definitely seems like the uh, the horror movie genre where it's more about like watching someone <laughs> be tortured, basically. But uh, and so this is the this is the great thing about all this. The original Texas Chainsaw is so realistically it, compared to what you could see in Saw or an Eli Roth film oh, yeah. or even a Quentin Tarantino movie. I mean, the original Texas Chainsaw isn't that gory. Yeah, but. The intensity of like the the dinner table scene for Texas Chainsaw is fucking brilliant. Yeah, the last like twenty minutes of the movie, like well, like everyone everyone is dead except for the last gal, the final gal, the final girl, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Everything with her. That's where it started to like leading up to that. I was like, okay, I kind of get it. And then the parts with her, like you're right, the movie isn't as violent as you would expect it to be if you've only seen like more modern horror and even like there are other movies from around that time like last house on the left is way more right. graphic and uh uh the hills have eyes yeah god yeah um like the original so, like, hills have eyes you know like they cut it like there's a scene in the original texas chainsaw where he's putting someone up on a meat hook and they cut away and the like as he's putting him up there and then cut back right. to him already on there i was like oh that's like the opposite of what would happen if like an Eli Rothman, or even in the 2003 one, they show all of that stuff yeah. pretty close it, up, right? But like the last but 20 it, minutes it, of the movie are like <sighs> rough just because of like how much human misery there is, like all for this one girl. It's, it's basically just her like wailing. It's so like uh, the, that entire scene. We, I mean, we will get to this, um, but like she fucking. <sighs> She kills it so good. She rocks it so fucking hard. Like uh, her, it's it's. If you haven't seen this table scene in Texas Chainsaw, there's no soundtrack. There's no background music. It's just this super uncomfortable poor girl who has seen her friends and fam, like her friends and brother, brutalized by these uh, inbred hillbillies. And now, like, they cut her finger at one point and they let her grandfather, like, suck on her finger and they're mocking her. And it's it's like they do this close up on her eye and then she breaks free and she's screaming and she has some fucking lung power. Like, she is channeling, like, Phil Anselmo from Pantera must have watched this movie and been like, I want to sound like that. Because her fucking vocal power in this is amazing. It's like a 20 minute thing of her just running and screaming with no breaks. Like, it's insane, which makes that it so you can watch the 2003 one and you'll see more blood and you'll see like jump scare shit. But the original Texas Chainsaw has 
just tension constantly through it. Like real tension and horror. It really is a masterclass in how to make a horror film, I think. Oh, yeah. So I don't, having only seen it once and having only seen it very recently, it was like not, I don't know, it didn't make that much of an impact on me. But also because like this is that sort of genre of horror movie that I'm not like super hot on. Or it's like mm. people getting mutilated. And right. Like slowly being tortured. Like I didn't like these are way more extreme examples, but like I didn't like hostile either. Right. Right. And like when I saw the two thousand three one, I wasn't like a fan of all the dismemberment, like or you know, it's like that scene in uh in the God in the what was that movie with the guy in Chicago, the doctor going to kill those people? I can't even remember the name. Death Death Wish. Death Wish. It's like that scene where he's like pulls that guy's nerve out to torture him. Like I really hated that right. too. I just don't like watching this kind of stuff happen. It's like that part um, was less pleasant. But the the leading up to it was very menacing. Like picking up that freaky hitchhiker and then having him <sighs> show up later, and the guy that shows her over to the cemetery is like actually the same creepy fuck from later in the movie. Like that's it's like um, those things that like that come out of having a very restricted budget also make the movie work better. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, there's only like three people in this town. It's so I like there's something so pure because Do you know how, there's something like, so pure about Texas Chainsaw this in seventy like four. Very, very indie operation, right? Like this seems like a yeah. student film or something. So here, I actually have something interesting um about the so this movie the original Texas Chainsaw was distributed by Branston Distributing Company. If that name doesn't sound important or ring a bell, it really shouldn't. But what you should know is that that was actually a production company funded by the mob to help launder money. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> and the producer behind that was only using the Texas Chainsaw as like, yeah, I'll fund you money because he needed to wash the money. He also made was uh, involved in making the porno film Deep Throat. Hmm. So he was making... He this was is, doing all these porns and he was doing all these horror movies and shit to wash all this mob money. There's a storyline in The Sopranos where one of them was trying to get a horror movie made, and I think for similar reasons. So, uh, to, to give some idea, this is... The original Texas Chainsaw is very much an indie film. It's very much, like, grassroots. And it's all for those reasons that... I, I call them pure horror movies. Because they're not made with the intent of... Um, okay, we're going to do this beat and this beat and this beat, and it has to go like this and this and this. This is a movie that's like, we have this idea and we wrote this script. None of us are really experienced actors. We're not really experienced directors or filmmakers, and the movie looks rough. I also call Night of the Living Dead like a pure horror film. Friday, the original Friday the 13th, Halloween, the first Evil Dead. These are all movies that helped shape and write and develop what modern horror is. Yeah, I think right. this seems on, like, I've seen all of those other movies, and this seems, even for those, this is on, like, the more sort of, like, DIY-looking side yeah. of things. Like, this... like the sound isn't, like, really mastered very well, and there's, right. like, there's odd cuts in there. It's like the editor, maybe this is the first time he did so. I don't, I wouldn't be able to edit a movie, but you can kind of see when it's happening oddly, right? Or there's like, right. there's parts where they're in a house and it's clearly nighttime and they step outside and it's very clearly broad daylight. Like, right, stuff right. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so the opening to Texas Chainsaw starts with that narration that we played for you. And do you know whose voice that is, Alex? I don't know. That is John Larroquette. Oh. 
<laughs> the guy from Night Court? <laughs> Do you know what he was paid? What he requested his payment be for that narration? Uh, probably a case of beer. A single joint. Oh, okay. <laughs> in 74. So someone just reached so, into his pockets at the spot. Yeah, right. Just, so the original Texas Chainsaw was made in the neighborhood of 80000 to 140000 Yeah. And it made $30.9 million. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So because you're not good with, I, I've adjusted this for you. Is that $30 in, million dollars over its lifetime or just like in? No. That is box office run or something. That is box office well, it's like, from the time. It's also weirder because like movies would run a lot longer back then yeah. too, right? Like they would run for like years sometimes. So it's like yeah. it's also harder to gauge that way. Um. So if in 1974 this move, I I, I use the inflation calculator website. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's between eighty to one hundred and forty thousand. It was made for. So I just went with a hundred thousand. Right. Yeah, sure. So if it costs a hundred thousand in today's money, that's five hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah. It would take to make. It made thirty million. So for today today's money, a hundred and seventy million dollars would have been the take. Wow. Yep. Good for them. That's essentially what Texas the original Texas Chainsaw did. Isn't this also it's one of the first movies that it kind of or I don't know about first, but it definitely did like viral marketing kind of right like they had there was a lot of marketing around it being like based on a true story they don't say that in the movie they do say it in 2003 one but in, i know they advertise this as like oh it's this actually happened guys so uh actually so can we put this to bed for people it's not texas chainsaw massacre no. did not happen no right no, no. there's they said like loosely 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 based on ed Gein. Correct. Ed Gein was what people call America's first serial killer. He was in Wisconsin. It's the same thing that uh, Alfred Hitchcock based Psycho off of. Like someone wrote the book Psycho. Yeah. There's yeah. some stuff so, like Ed Gein did make like the like the human. He skin made lampshades lamp and, and stuff, right? Right. Yeah. There's also like yeah, where so, Buffalo Bill is coming from. And yeah, like uh, pre precisely. <laughs> Any serial killers so, that like human skin? <laughs> it, it, Ed Gein. In the, in the 50s, the police, when they arrested Ed Gein and all that stuff, and they went through his house, they found, even like to a level of Jeffrey Dahmer stuff, they found like car like corpses and decomposing bodies and skeletons. They found lampshades made out of human skin. He had like a problem with his mother and like some mommy issues. And basically like Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw, Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs, Norman Bates from Psycho, these are all compiled versions of Ed Gein and his crimes. That's it. Texas. There is no Texas chainsaw family out in the middle of West Texas with this I mean, fucking guy. Like not that's been reported on or caught. Eh? <laughs> yeah, right. But <laughs> get, get looking for, uh, kids. Uh, up until now. Yeah. Go out there. Have fun up until now in 2022, there has never been a crime reported of Texas. Like, akin to the family from Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, the it's the same way the Amityville horror myth got blown out of the water, you know, like out well, of I proportion. Mean, yeah. That one's, that one's different though, because there is like, that runs into a whole different thing with you're allowed to print anything you want and call it nonfiction. And you know, here's a little secret. No one fact checks those. You can just put anything in there. It's the same. It's the same way that that book Michelle remembers about the satanic possession. Stuff. Oh yeah. Was, yeah. It was also published like, 
Book publishers don't fact check a book if you label it nonfiction. You can just say whatever you want. So that's the Amityville horror stuff was also the the Warrens being hucksters. Like that's why people think they're right. real. The the Texas Chainsaws, it was entirely a marketing campaign for the movie. And then in the two thousand three one they do so not well. cut to the like they doctor up some the found footage photos. Yeah. Yeah. The crime scene photos and stuff. Um, so Texas Chainsaw has played such an important role in cultural, like just pop culture. I mean, in music, video games, comic books, movies, TV shows, Leatherface is kind of everywhere. Uh, there's an indie band called Murder by Death. And one of their albums is called Who Will Survive and What Will Be Left of Them. That's the tagline for Texas Chainsaw. Oh, leather. Okay. I didn't like, know that. That's cool. Leatherface is in the game Dead by Daylight. Uh, even before they got the licensing to Leatherface, they had a character called the Hillbilly who had a chainsaw and a hammer. And it's very clearly like, oh, we don't have the money to buy the licensing yet, so we'll make a character based off of this. Um, I, I mean, it, it's almost become like the hook from the hand killer like leatherface has almost become urban like a uh, urban myth at this point like urban legend you know yeah it's definitely like in our cultural like memory now um and they like they can't stop remaking it like they can't stop trying to we're going to tell like the texas chainsaw 1 they've done it 5 times i know yeah <laughs> i wonder if that's like a thing that happens more with horror movies there was that thing in the 70s and 80s were like even before Marvel days you were going to get like big horror franchises happening right like sequels right. coming out every year I think Friday the 13th, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street they all did that maybe maybe people are looking around saying like oh we could do this with our creepy dude too right uh, there is some like okay so as Alex and I could have picked any starting point for the reboot of this Texas, like for the reboot of this Texas Chainsaw, because as you heard from the franchise list earlier, huge fucking list. We could have done 2003. We could have done 95. We could have done 2013. We picked 2003 because it seemed like the, without getting into 1994's the next generation, which the cover for that is either like a girl with a lipstick case and then a chainsaw blade coming out of the lipstick or it's like a female sexy leather face on the cover. Oh, really? This seat, like, I think yeah. The, uh, the only pictures I've seen have been McConaughey in the back of a pickup truck or something. So. Two, 2003 seemed like a more serious take. It was also when horror movies kind of started going for jump scares as opposed to, like, um, whole camera shots and stuff. This was very clearly like okay we're gonna have this shadow move really quickly and we're gonna jump scares don't really work in my mind is in horror films really well i think they did for a period and then they actually in that screen movie i saw they do this thing where they have a they have like a five minute sequence of a character opening things that obstruct the area behind them and then closing them as the music builds and then nothing's there and so like they go from a cabinet they open it and then you think something's and they close it nothing's there and they go to a fridge they open it 
They close another door. <laughs> they go to another the, cabinet. They open it. Is the is the music building? Every, yeah, it like... builds and then drops every time. <laughs> uh, I might have to check this out. Uh, the only saving grace about this Texas chainsaw for me was um, R uh, uh, R Lee M uh, Ermy in this. Oh yeah, he's great. He's the shitty sheriff in this one, right? But. Less funny than in Full Metal Jacket. Less funny, okay. Like, yeah. like not, like not as charming or not as cool. Still a cool guy, but just didn't hit really. Uh, the interesting thing about this Texas Chainsaw Massacre, though, two thousand three, is that when it came out, it was like, oh, this is Texas Chainsaw. But they have a few things that seem a little out of place. And it wasn't until you watch 2006's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning, when you realize that the beginning is a prequel to the Texas Chainsaw 2003 Massacre. Are they going in and like explaining the origins of all the hillbillies or something in the beginning one? No, it's no. another group of kids getting killed. Oh. So like, oh, okay. it, when so like when the first guy gets hung in the basement, they show like a fresh head of someone decapitated with a big beard. Mm. That dude was essentially like the night before these kids show up, they massacre another group. Ah. The girl they pick up in the beginning of the movie is from that. Like she's the final girl from right. the, like from the beginning oh, okay. of the prequel. And so they, <laughs> right. yeah, they, they did this weird setup where they're like, Oh, this is Texas chainsaw. And then here's Texas chainsaw massacre, the beginning. And it's going to answer all these questions that. Eh, like th you didn't really need answered and that's why this that's why this version of this franchise died early yeah the they're better not being answered honestly like i like yeah. i liked in the 2003 one that they added more creepy weirdos to this little uh this little rural community if you will like there's those two women who steal that baby uh, right they're gonna like drug and maybe eat one of the girls <laughs> Like, like, that, that kind of stuff is fun. It builds on the original one a bit. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's also so, just, like, not that great. So. I mean, I, as you and I said last night, when I... Uh, there's no... Like, anyone can do a Texas Chainsaw because, let's be honest, there's no plot to Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, not at all. It's just... <laughs> it's just the no kids plot. show up, they get menaced, and then they get picked off one by one. And realistically, 2003 tried to add plot yeah or at least like it, it, more it, intrigue or something right it like, tried to add a little bit of like background or character development by yeah. adding like you know you stole that baby who's that baby and they have the picture of yeah and it's like that's not you're you're working way too hard like i get michael bay is the production like the producer behind this movie you're working way too hard mikey like look back to 74 it's a fucking piece of art and there's no like there's no plot yeah, they could have, I don't know, they could have, maybe it wouldn't have worked as well, they could have just done like a straight remake, you know, just with better production <laughs> value or something. They really could have. Um, so for those who haven't seen Texas Chainsaw for whatever god reason, go back and watch 1974 Texas Chainsaw, because it's great. And again, that entire last half an hour, 20 minutes is fucking art for horror. Um... But or, for those who don't know... Or uncomfortable to watch, depending or, on your perspective. Uh, for those who don't know, Texas Chainsaw is this. Bunch of kids, four to five kids, in a van, traveling through Texas. They 
stop and pick up a hitchhiker who is weird. And then they end up stopping at a gas station or breaking down for gas. And it just so happens that they are then uh, in the clutches of these hillbilly murder cannibals. Uh, the oldest son being a fate, like a mask, uh, like a human face mask wearing chainsaw wielding maniac aptly named Leatherface. And uh, that that's it. There's no fucking further plot. There's not, it's just 10 minutes of like, you know, we're the Brady Bunch and then 90 minutes of murder. That's really all it is. Yeah, that that's literally it. There's no. This is the easiest plot synopsis ever. You know, <laughs> they just they they all die in different ways, pretty in pretty quick succession too. It's like the, right, uh, the four people that aren't the final girl in the original one, they all die within like ten minutes of each other. I think like, or two of them, two of them go to the house, uh, and they get killed pretty quickly. The scene where the guy walks down the hallway and gets clunked with a sledgehammer or with the meat tenderizer <sighs> is pretty iconic. I mean, it it just so happened. Like, it's so... The thing that... Yeah, like, there's no jump scares. This is an era before jump scares. So, the first guy who gets taken, he, like, goes to this farmhouse and he walks in and he's like, hello, hello? And then out of nowhere, like, a door opens up, this dude's in the hallway... He just hits this guy with a meat tenderizer and then he drags him down and shuts the door. And it's just there on screen. It doesn't cut away. This kid just got taken. And you're off to the races. It's pure. It's not trying to do anything like fancy. It isn't trying to break a mold or write a mold. And unintentionally is kind of writing the rules of like a final girl and this iconic killer is being shaped before us without any hint of irony. There's no like tongue in cheek wit. It's just there are some, a pure movie. There are some unintentionally goofy moments though, where Leatherface is like supposed to be menacing, but just seems kind of dumb. Like when he's a uh, right, like trying to get through the front door to his own house that has been closed in front of him. And he just makes a bunch of random chainsaw cuts into it. Instead of just being like, Oh, I could just cut the handle away or well, so strategically <laughs> the it also here's the problem with that the guy who played leatherface his name is gunner hansen okay uh-huh. gunner hansen <laughs> was actually really fast so he was when he would run he was actually outpacing the rest of the cast oh. <laughs> so he had to do things a little like wobbly or he had to do other shit to slow him down so definitely... it made it look like you could definitely see <laughs> yeah. it at points like when at the end when that trucker is there and like the girl is running the girl and the trucker are both running back to the truck and Leatherface is behind him. You can tell he like he stops running for a couple of paces to let him get yeah. a bad start. And then yeah, like he's like he totally had him. The door is still open, but he stops and let them close the door before he starts like ineffective <laughs> ineffectually like tapping it with his chainsaw. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, and that's just because Gunnar Henson was actually the man was quick. Like dude was just really quick. He kept during like the initial shooting, whenever Leatherface was having to chase someone, they had to do a couple of takes because he would end up like, and go. Okay. And cut. You need to let them get ahead. Cause he would just fucking run up on them super quick. Yeah. So yeah. they had to be like, how do we make this? Se-? So that's why Leatherface kind of comes out as more like, 
bumbling and wild where he's like swinging the chainsaw and shit like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. The chainsaw swinging is great. That little dance he does at the end is very fun. Yeah. I like that. So, uh, do you know that Guillermo del Toro became vegetarian after seeing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? That doesn't surprise me, dude. Like, honestly, like, I... So, like, I don't eat meat, and watching this is like, yeah, I feel good about this decision. Ugh. <laughs> so, uh, this was also the original... 74's Texas Chainsaw was the biggest grossing independent film until Halloween in 1978. Wow, yeah, okay. Like, these are... It's just so... There's something raw... It's almost like if punk rock became a movie, it's like this raw, just we're going to go for it and do it. And that's what makes it so good because it really is. You know, it's just a bunch of fucking amateurs with a camera and they're wasting daylight and time, but they're making something really fucking cool. And like uh, Marilyn Burns, who played Sally, she accidentally like cut herself on twigs and branches and shit. So a lot of that blood is actually hers. Oh, fun. Okay. And it's like, yeah, it, it, it's something about that thing of like, we don't have much money. We don't have much time. None of us are professional filmmakers or whatever. We don't have a studio throwing money at us, but we're just going to do the best we can. And it comes out like that. And it's like, man, you guys really like gave it the college try and it came out great. Well, you know, you got a bunch of joints. You can hand them out to the crew members. Really <laughs> happy. Uh, and... You know, the, the newer, like the 2003 one, while it's okay, like, yeah, it's a, it's a Texas Chainsaw. It's really hard to mess up. Like, it really is hard to yeah, mess up. They're just taking the the skeleton of that and then, like, adding some of their, like, hanging their own stuff off of it. But it's not really. Right. And it, it doesn't it doesn't make the film better. It doesn't make the film worse. But it also, it's doing a lot of stuff that in 2003, it's kind of almost like, eh. Because jump scares were all the rage in the thousands. So there's like, you know, moving shadows or like they play like beat music or they'll have like a beat hit when like someone appears or something. And it's almost like they're doing horror by numbers at this point because they're going, well, we're going to make a horror movie. So it has to have this beat and we have to have this soundtrack here. And it, it takes yeah. away from, I think this you know is what I mean? Like, I think this is after, so I feel like the jump scare stuff kind of i don't i don't know about started where there's like there's a bit of it in uh the blair witch project but not too much but that's mostly that's like it's almost entirely stuff happening off screen and being kind of menacing, right. right and then there's like the ring which does some jump scares but like i don't think they haven't gotten to that point yet where they started doing like the double fake out jump scares right where it's like right like in the in the ring it's still like legitimate like spooky stuff and then later on it's like you get jump scared by someone friendly showing up at a time they shouldn't have or something and then it goes right. full on scream where they're like nope nothing's here we just know you're conditioned <laughs> for it and we're gonna play right, on that yeah. and not do anything about it <laughs> <laughs> that's precisely correct um so it, like this 2003 it starts with the whole like you know taking after what Blair Witch did it's like it has the found footage thing right because oh, yeah. it starts with like it's like scenes from the end of the movie or it's like the, gri it, it, the grizzly murder scene 
It almost even has the exact same identical voiceover. It's oh yeah, you know it's a lot like a. Didn't they do that in uh, the Devil's Rejects too? They did, yeah. yeah. And Devil, yeah, Rob Zombie massively influenced by uh, like Ten Thousand Maniacs and you know for House of a Thousand Corpses and uh, Texas Chainsaw that absolutely inspired House of Thousand. Yeah, so um. It it's just like I'm gonna watch the new one coming out on Netflix, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I don't know how you can because everything now there's a problem with horror, which is in horror movies, where do you take the audience they haven't been before? Right, like Psycho was the first kind of like slasher movie. It, it, the killer could be hiding anywhere. Norman Bates is like spying on women. He just comes out of the hallway. He has this, he has like doors in a hotel room and like a big house to hide in and move between. And he knows like, so that's the first thing of like the killer could be anywhere. Right. And then you start building on that. You have Jason, which now, okay, well, it's not safe to be in the woods because now out in the open is the worst place to be. Um, as these like jaws was fear of the water, uh, Texas chainsaw was like, well, if you're in the middle of nowhere, but there are no trees around now, the killer can see you, but it's also a family and you're isolated. And what if your car breaks down and now there's all this whole thing and Halloween and this all built up cause he was a stalker. So then you get closer to the eighties and then it's, you have like demon possession with the omen and the exorcist and that's supernatural stuff. And you have like blood on Satan's claw in the late sixties and all this. So where do you take horror now? One of the last true horror films I think is nightmare on Elm street because it was always, well, once the movie's over, I can go to sleep and I'm safe. And then nightmare on Elm street rips that away from you because sleep is no longer safe, which as a movie goer or someone like a real person, it's just a movie. I'll sleep and in the morning. I won't be scared anymore, but now it's, I'm scared to go to sleep. So as a horror writer or horror fanatic or watcher where do you go from horror right i think if you're if you're taking like a narrower view of horror where it's like mostly stuff about people getting picked off one by one then maybe but there's i would disagree there's still like there's still like very cool novel ideas happening in horror movies now it's more of the uh they talk about this in scream too more of the elevated horror stuff though um, but so like when's the last time I can't, I can't think of like when the, maybe the witch, but even then that's like supernatural horror and it's been done before. It hadn't been done in that fashion and the witch was fantastic, but there are no real planes to take an audience. I mean, that's why movies like saw and the birth of Eli Roth and shit started, right? Because I, it was, let's throw more gore on the screen. Cause that's, what's going to make audiences like scared because they're desensitized to everything else. So more gore is scary and jump scares are scary and shit like that. So as we become more desensitized, where do we go for horror films? I, I don't know. I don't know that I would agree with that like premise, but I think they've, moved more to the like psychological torment side of things right like there's stuff like the baba duke where it's it's like a it's like a mess it's like a movie where the whole thing is an analog for like grief and torment or whatever and like there's this monster there but there's also but it's like there's something below the surface right or like get out 
plays on other like sort of like psychological anxieties and they're being kind of like put on display in in this horror movie sure but but i don't really call it like I, those aren't really they're not horror movies yeah they are Eh, i mean i don't get me wrong i <laughs> liked both of those movies i also liked it follows which is all about stds but i would not call those like if i'm gonna say i'm gonna watch a horror movie those movies don't come to mind all right well I think most Quiet people, Place. I think most I, people I, would disagree with you about that. Like, I would call Quiet Place a horror film, but even then, like, those are all thriller to me, really. I, I think you have a more narrow definition than most people would, then, I guess. Um, like, I, I, I put them in the same level as, like, Seven or... Uh, not the cell. Um, I can't think of that movie. Uh, the Bone Collector. I, I put them in like their th- their thriller films, and yeah. you know they're uh, they're not really know. horror so much as they're thriller to me. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think we would disagree about that classification. Then, yeah. Um. So, why do you think Texas? Why does everyone pick Texas Chainsaw? Like to out of all of I don't know. yeah, like out of all the horror films, why Texas Chainsaw? It's cheap to make and makes a lot of money. Probably, if we're being like cynical about it. <laughs> I, I mean, it's not really cynical. It's kind of the truth, right? I, I mean, Leatherface we, we... has a lot of cachet. You can have anyone play him, uh, right? So that's pretty easy to do. Right? And then you just <laughs> get a random group of five young people, people twenty to thirty, that are going to play eighteen-year-olds. I, I mean, yeah, like that's. It it sounds cynical and mean, but really, an amateur couldn't make Inception, but an amateur could absolutely make Texas Chainsaw, you know? Or professionals that want to have an easy time of it could make Texas Chainsaw, you know? Like, right, well, I'm, I'm, right, but I'm one. saying, like, right, but if you're yeah. professionals, you also, assuming you're professionals because you've done something that has value or whatever has performed incredibly well you know i think they're probably getting greenlit because they keep on making enough money to be viable or it's that like that hubris thing where it's like why do these keep on being so bad well it's it can't be because the entire idea is a bad idea it has to be the people that are doing it are not executing it correctly and i am just the man for the job (laughs) right every like this is another thing too Texas Chainsaw doesn't have a plot. And when you start trying to add like plot and layers to it, you kind of take away from like last night I was watching this with Alicia and I'm like 29 minutes in and no one's been killed yet. Like fucking the original by this time, like what we've already seen one guy get dragged down to a meat cellar. Like this movie's taken a long, it drags a little, you know? I'm like, by trying to yeah. add character development and by trying to add meat, you're slowing down the pacing of this movie. And they also, like, it's like the, the original Texas Chainsaw is, like, pretty short. It's like an hour 20 or something. And, like, mm-hmm. they, they really don't draw out any of the, except for the last one, all the killings happen very quickly. And in the 2003 one, from what I remember, it's basically, <sighs> there's, like, the only thing that happens quickly is they recreate that scene where the dude walks into the house and then gets popped in the head with a hammer. 
they do that one. But e- but even then, that takes fucking that takes alone ten he minutes. Thrashes around a lot more. Yeah, but then they show Leatherface like picking them up and he's walking around right. and he's dismembering them and it's like this long intricate process for everyone in the movie. Like uh, that's probably the more like one of the more modern things it does is like it's really gonna draw out everyone getting picked off. It's more of right. a more of a slasher less of a massacre i mean it's still a massacre by the end but in the original one it's like four people die very quickly and then one of them gets tormented for for the last bit yeah i don't with with your comments of like i'm the man to make this like i'm I'm the one to do this correctly i think everyone again the idea of like we're gonna remake this or reboot this is to add a new spin to it or we're gonna try to improve on it but Texas Chainsaw is such a narrow movie and there's no plot to it that trying to improve on that idea really just drags the pace of the movie down. Yeah, it's like unnecessary and like not what they were trying to do. I don't know. Also, like you're taking this indie movie and then you're going to like <laughs> corporatize the hell out of it. And right. So that's probably also not going to go great. And there, there's also like a... I mean, I, you know, then we're going to do the origin story, like Leatherface, where his, like, we're going to call him Tommy and Thomas, and this is how he became. Oh, yeah. You're that's not doing, we also, like, like, we don't need that. Eh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no one needs to see two hours about Leatherface became Leatherface. Crazy. That's it's crazy <laughs> hillbillies. Like, the movie going public understands this trope. We know what's going on. <laughs> it's like, it'd be like watching the hills have eyes the beginning and it's yeah. like papa uh, jupiter is a teenager or some shit like no one wants his time yeah, before that nuclear bomb went off that's not gonna be fun to watch or like just... how did the people from deliverance get this way let's do a character <laughs> study about it right it's, there's a lot of like uh, uh wrong turn had like wrong oh, turn yeah. one through five or whatever and then they rebooted it so i watched the reboot and i'm like it's okay. It's not bad, but I'm also like, you guys have changed the story a lot. It's also like a full-on action movie by the reboot, isn't it? Like, doesn't he like yeah, kind of kills people yeah. like John Wick? I mean, not that, not that no, intensely, right, but it's but... a different thing because they're like a breakaway society who lived by themselves, and they they start adding like a humanizing moment to these people who are supposed to be like mountain oh you know i was like killers of, uh, and... i was thinking of that movie where they pick up a hitchhiker and then the hitchhiker kills them all um <laughs> like it's what it called, but... <sighs> it's just like y- people are trying to take these horror movies that have really like bottlenecked ideas or concepts and then they try to expand them and it's like you're slowing down the pace of the movie or you're making a really unnecessary film yeah and it's like you could just do your own version of that too. Like we just rattled off five different, essentially the same like micro genre, <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? Like you could just make another right. one in there. Like right. my bloody Valentine did not just take Michael Myers and stick him in Canada. They got their own creepy gas mask guy with a knife to do the killing. Like, you, you just yeah, the, didn't have an didn't have a knife. He had a pickaxe. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was yeah. You know, you just you know. A, uh, just make it's super easy to come up with just a dude without a face and a unique weapon. That's literally it. It's just any person. And then like, I mean, if we're also, if we're also talking about that, right? Like we go from Norman Bates to Michael Myers to Leatherface, Freddy Krueger. 
I mean, every serial killer is really just the proto. Like Michael uh, Norman Bates was the prototype for all of those characters. Maybe I mean, really, like, like, in terms of like the first slasher, sure. I don't think he has a ton in common with like. I know they try to do it, but like, I don't know what kind of mother issues Michael Myers has. He was like, uh, he has fa- well, family issues for sure, right? Yeah, but in the movies, they just kind of hand wave it away as saying he's evil incarnate. And there's a psychologist right. that's like, this man cannot be saved. We need to murder him. <laughs> Doctor Loomis. Yeah, yeah. That's a yeah. I think he forgot about but, that but do I, no harm thing. But again, that idea that you just said of like, hey, make your own thing. They did. They took like the original idea of Ed Gein from Psycho, and they're like, "How can yeah, we? But- what it like? What if he did this? Or what if there was this? Or what?" And that's how you do that. Stop trying to take these movies and like, we're gonna make a better version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, no, to- you're not. You're gonna make a more <laughs> slow version of Texas Chainsaw. I think there was also a bit of a trend with because like The Hills Have Eyes had a remake that came out around this time too. It, Definitely it within did. a few years. It did. Uh, God, that one was way more uncomfortable than the original one. Right. Because again, by now, like audiences become desensitized. So they're like, we're going to throw blood and gore and viscera on the screen. Yeah. And like, and you're going to see it. Brutal rape scenes that like was asking for. I don't. It's like, this isn't scary because of the psychological effect or impact. This is uncomfortable to watch because you're showing human suffering and you're doing yeah. it in a realistic way. And like a funny thing is like to like saw is now sort of known for being like the bl- bucket of blood and guts, but they're actually like their first two movies were they were violent, but they were also like more cerebral. There was like actually yeah. stuff going on in them. So like the ones that are like sort of cliched now for being hyper violent actually started from a way more uh, in terms yeah. of like a way more innovative place than for instance, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003. Like, Saw came out You're, a year later. Yeah, I just don't, like... I've, like, I have I love horror, if you can't tell from this. I have, like, very... Hmm. I, I've seen, like, a ton of horror documentaries. I've read, like, hor- like, Fangoria magazines by the decade, and I love horror. I read it, I write it, I watch it, I listen to horror audiobooks and horror stories, I ingest that shit like candy. So I have very, like, strong opinions on, like, horror movies, and I have a really high bar for them. So whenever I'm, like, hearing about a Texas Chainsaw thing, I'm like, surely you can come up with an... And again, yeah, if you want to make some quick... If you want to make a quick buck, throw Leatherface on the screen, hand him a chainsaw and turn them loose for 90 minutes, you'll make a profit. Yeah, I mean, even you sure. said earlier, right? Like, yeah, I'm going to go watch that Netflix thing when it comes out. <laughs> so, yeah, like, you're... Yeah. Yeah, it's probably gonna, it won't be amazing, but I still see it. Yeah, I'm, it's, you know, I, I don't have a problem with it, but also, I'm not watching it for your half-cocked idea of what you think the movie should be. That's not what... That's not why I'm I'm watching it. I'm not watching it to try to be your visionary. And I know you don't care because you just want the money, like money, money, money. I get that. So fine. But there's also a reason why you don't get a sequel or you don't get a part three, or there's a reason why when people talk about Texas Chainsaw, yours isn't the movie they remember. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think any of them are. I think people remember <laughs> the original one. And then they know as a quirky fact that Matthew McConaughey was in one in the nineties like that. And it's just because he turned out to be famous later. Right. Like I don't, <laughs> I can't, 
I, mean, I, I really sexy leather face. I had no idea that was a thing. Because I, I no, it, it, it's, it's a girl. It, it's a girl, and like she's in stockings and like hair, and it's like ooh, and it's like, here. Watch, check the you viewers can't uh, see this, but I'm gonna send Alex a picture of the cover for the next generation. Click that link and look at that, like how it was fucking built. It's Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey, but look at Leatherface. Or like the Leatherface chick. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. <laughs> so like what is this? Your ver- like, like your version of, of Velvet with a chainsaw. <laughs> your version of Texas Chainsaw isn't gonna be remembered. It's not gonna do any you're not gonna break uh, the mold, you're not going to rewrite the mold and sure enough, I know you're not trying to do that because if you were, you wouldn't do a Texas Chainsaw thing in the first place but... It does make me wonder what the uh, the Netflix one is going to be like if they go, if they try and go in like the elevated horror direction or something that could be <laughs> funny. <laughs> it's coming out February 18th on Netflix. Alright, well, uh, well I'll be it's here called, for it. It's called Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, February 18th um so the the premise is melody a teenage her teenage sister leah and her friends dante and ruth head to the remote town of harlow texas to start an idealistic new business venture but their dream uh, soon turns into a walking nightmare when they accidentally disrupt the home of leatherface the deranged serial killer whose blood-soaked legacy continues to haunt the area's residents including sally hard uh hardsty from the original, oh, wow. <laughs> but not the original actress, the sole survivor of his infamous 1973 massacre who's hell-bent on seeking revenge. She better have a really good reason for wanting to what? live in the area, because that makes zero sense to me right now. Yeah, but, it's yeah. also a different actress, yeah. right? And uh, this is something else. Texas Chainsaw came out in 74. 74! In every movie ever since, they always say 73. I think the, I think it's that the events were supposed to happen in 73. And then the uh, movie is no. like recounting the events. I, the movie states 74. In the summer of 1974, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I just don't understand. I don't get why that breaks. But yeah, so that's the premise for the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre that comes out pretty, relatively soon. And it's like, I'm going to watch it because I'm interested, but I don't think it's going to be... Good. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to, like, a- again. And honestly, I'll say this, too. The original Texas Chainsaw is great for a horror film, but what really drives it home is that end dinner table scene. Yeah, it's pretty because it's so intense. It's just fucking white knuckle terror. It's tense. It's crazy. You really feel like for this girl, it, it it's just so good. It's... And that's what makes the rest of the movie. If the Texas Chainsaw Massacre didn't have that dinner scene, no, it's yeah. it's it's extremely tame up until that point. Other than like. The only parts I felt bad before that was like how everyone was excluding the dude in the wheelchair from their fun activities. Franklin? Uh, yeah. And then, but then Poor Franklin. I know, he really had a rough go of it. Like he really that, did. That beginning scene where his wheelchair, like he's trying to take a piss in a can in his wheelchair, like the truck goes oh, by yeah. and makes his wheelchair roll down the hill. I didn't understand the physics of that. <laughs> uh but you know. It's seventy four, man. 
Um, yeah, nothing was wheelchair accessible. Poor guy. <laughs> I know. I'm like, poor Franklin. And it's also that you know, like they always pick up a hitchhiker or whatever. So in 2003, they pick up a girl from us. Like she is. They pick up the final girl who managed to escape the family. Yeah. Um, she kills herself. In the original Texas Chainsaw, they pick up this guy who you find out later is the younger brother of the family. Yeah, of Leatherface. Right. Are they... But they don't have a name. It's just... Yeah, I was just going to say, because like the other... And then the the third like older dude is the dad of them too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then they have Grandpa. Yeah. It's, it's the dad's grandpa, I think. I think it's like their great-grandpa or something. Yeah, he just says grandpa. I'm not really sure yeah, the like the old the older the patriarch yeah. is calling him grandpa. It could be one of those right. things where like the parent I don't know. But anyway, not super important. Old as fuck. Yeah. He looks like <laughs> he looks like a creepier version of the guy from those Six Flags commercials. <laughs> <laughs> or he looks like a really like dehydrated version of the tall man from Phantasm. Yeah, yeah. The whatever mask like makeup they yeah. put on him was very weird looking. And, and you can tell it's a mask too. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, it's not like, like no human. We've come a long way like... since they yeah. made those. Leatherface's mask is more convincing, honestly, as a human. Right. It's uh, I just I can't figure out because I'm always looking for innovation in horror films. And while there are a lot of horror films in the last like five years or, you know, 10 years or two years that I've seen that I like or that I enjoy, I'm always looking for what makes this special in its own place. Like I loved Get Out. I thought Get Out was cool. I really liked The Witch. I really liked A Quiet Place. And A Quiet Place was interesting because I'm like, oh, a movie where they can't make sound. Awesome. But it detracts from that because there's a fucking soundtrack constantly throughout that movie. I'm like, if you wanted to be really brave, kill the fucking soundtrack and have an almost totally silent film. That would make any noise made in the movie way more intense and important. Like Quiet Place played itself because you can't have a totally quiet movie when the audience is constantly hearing sound. This movie that received basically universal acclaim played itself. It did. It really did. Because I'm like, I mean, it's cool, don't get me wrong, but sound's not important if we're constantly hearing a fucking background score of music or we're constantly hearing like a soundtrack of music. It it sounds not important because the audience doesn't get that on the receiving end. Maybe maybe once this podcast takes off a little bit more, you can get get these... uh these critiques to the right ears where they can make a difference. I'm just saying, I, again, and I liked Quiet Place. I genuinely enjoyed myself during that movie, but I'm as soon as I'm like, is sound really that important to us, the audience? It's important for the characters, but for the audience, I'm detached. I'm not invested. Um, I'm always looking for new things with horror. Like, what is this done new that other places haven't? Like, Blair Witch, I don't like. But as a genre changing moment for horror, I totally get it because it really took the found footage thing and it made it its own. And it really like started its own genre. Yeah. It didn't even take the found footage. It originated the found footage thing. (laughs) Like, like like the, the entire, the premise of like, everyone's dead now. And we just found these tapes and here's what was on the tapes that they managed to edit for us before they died. 
Right. right. This is a, thanks for that, by the way. Like that is I that movie does not hold up though. I went back in like a, a while ago, my little Oh, brother, I'm sure it does. Like, like what do we watch? I was like, "Oh, man. Have you seen the the Blair Witch Project?" He's like, "No, what's that?" And I was like, "Wow, this movie like revolutionized or at the time, like people thought it was real and they were like throwing up after they got out of the theater from motion sickness and stuff. <laughs> it was crazy. And we sat down and like 30 minutes in, I was like, oh my God, this is just, this is just three people. I don't really like that much yelling at each other, <laughs> having mental breakdowns. And it, it's just that for the rest of the movie. And then about an hour in, I'm like, sorry, man, this was a lot better in my head. <laughs> he's like, he's like, it's okay. <laughs> did you see the remake though they did? Yeah. No, I saw I watched all three of those movies that exist. There was like, there's a direct sequel, and then there was like a requel, I guess, where they go back and try and find the the younger brother going back to try and find the sister. Yeah, I watched all of them. There. Well, the one that came out like last year. Yeah, yeah, that's the one where they're going back to try and find. It's like this kid who was like an infant when the original one was made, and he's like in his twenties now, is going back to try and find his older sister. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that one. So, yeah. Um, like Blair Witch, I wasn't into, but I, I appreciate it for what it did for the genre. Cause I'm like, okay, we went from Friday the 13th, like in my mind, Hellraiser was the last great horror movie because up until Hellraiser, we had never really seen a movie take an audience into hell or like into that space. Right. So I'm like, Hellraiser is the last great horror film. And then Blair Witch, I'm like, okay, Blair Witch is the last great horror film because now we have this found footage area to play in. And then people played in it and then they stretched it out and then they fucking beat it to hell. And now I hate found footage films because of how stereotypical they are. They didn't even get to play in it that much, really. Like, there was, like, the Blair Witch Project, which was more of, like, a... Like, watching a documentary where the documentarians are also subjects. And like the right. found footage thing just went straight to paranormal activity though, right? Where it's just like fixed cameras. Uh yeah. And you're like you're watching security footage basically. <laughs> and, and then you know, Cloverfield. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess there's those like it, there are some really cool examples of like the found footage thing. There's one in a there's like a little anthology series called Rec, like R E C recording. Yeah. Um, yep. And there's yeah, the you probably know the one I'm talking about with the, like they go to the club and the dude's wearing glasses. So everything's from his POV. Aren't you describing a black mirror episode? That also happens in black mirror, but in wreck they did it. I think the wreck thing happened first. It's like a Spanish language thing where this guy goes to a club, he's wearing those glasses and he's like getting frisky with this chick and they go back to her place. And then she's a vampire and you watch him get like murdered. POV oh, style. right. Yeah. The vampire killing. Yeah. So or, there, there are still like good instances of it. She was something, but she murders him. I think she was a vampire. Yeah. Um, there was one, uh, Unfriended. Oh, <laughs> that was some of the worst movie. <laughs> Where, like, they're friends on a chat. Yeah. And they're all using Skype or something. That one really... And... Those those are impossible for me, and I think for most people, to watch. Because, like, especially now, we're all super acquainted with, like, remote... Uh, like yeah, tele like... teleconferencing stuff or whatever, and like the the mechanics of their video chats don't make any goddamn sense in those movies. I watched one; I think it was Unfriended Two, or maybe it was a different movie with the exact same. Unfriended Deep, like Two is called Deep Web. 
Oh yeah, the deep web. I don't. This one was like <laughs> this one was they were doing. Oh no, this is a movie that came out during the pandemic, and they were gonna do a seance over Zoom, and oh, uh, and things go awry. Of <laughs> but there's like there's this one part where it's so, like this woman's sitting looking at her laptop, right? Like, and you can see the webcam view of her, and then she's like she hears a thump, and she's like, "Uh oh, what's that?" And so she picks up what is clearly her laptop, and then turns it around so it's like she's holding it in front of her chest, right? Because now sure. our POV is that laptop camera. And then she, so she has to be holding it there based on what we're seeing. She walks down to the hallway. There's another thump upstairs. She pulls down those, like, those attic stairs that come up. And then she sure. attaches what is still supposed to be her laptop to a selfie stick and moves it up there. So, like, it has changed at some point from a laptop to a cell phone. To a, to a cell phone? Yeah, without any cuts. And, like, Weird. without that being explained. It's like that kind of, I don't know. Kind of yeah but yeah those movies those get made because they're super cheap <laughs> you can make them all with iphones um so i'm always looking for i'm always looking for like new places for horror to go so i'm always like watching a horror film with these glasses of like what's new or what's inventive. And that's why I don't like a lot of modern horror films. Cause I'm like, I've seen this done better or I've seen this in other places done better or this just doesn't excite me and it kind of bores me. So there's very few instances of like a modern horror film where I'm actually coming away like pleasantly surprised or where I'm enjoying myself. And, uh, I always just have to go back to the old classic horror films that weren't trying to, they were inadvertently making these amazing things for their genre of film, you know, well, like the original if, night of the living dead. It wasn't, it didn't, they weren't trying to do anything that that happened. It just became that way. The whole thing of like final girl and uh, teenagers having sex and all this, those were all just uh, unintended um if reactions if your main criteria for like what makes a horror movie good is that it's novel idea that's like necessarily going to weight your valuation of the movies towards older movies right cuz like uh, the I genre have a lot is of... not that old the genre is not that old and like you're talking about a lot of movies that like established tropes in the genre like i don't I mean i have a lot of like do you watch dramas and be like well i've seen this camera angle or this like set of cuts used a thousand times before so i don't know no cuz drama isn't my main thing okay i'm sure if i had the same passion for drama as i did with horror i would i'm just talking about you know like genres that have been around for a lot longer than sort of like modern horror has i guess um, it seems it seems yeah. like you're saying there's like there's like these movies that came out in the 70s when the genre was like new and they get a lot of credit from you because they were doing new stuff but like the entire genre was new so like well, I mean, but, the, everything they're doing but, but again there's also a lot of horror movies from the 60s 70s 80s 90s and thousands that i don't like yeah you but know like it seems for, like for every horror movie i like there's you know 10 horror movies out there that i just either haven't seen or I've seen and I haven't liked or I've seen and then forgotten about the second the movie was over. Right. Yeah. I just, so yeah, I, I like have a the, lot of criteria for her, a horror film. Yeah. It just seems like if the totally new setting, I guess is one of them, that's going to be like a hard thing to find, I suppose. 
I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not going to say that. Um, I'm, 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 I'm not going to argue that because, yeah, like, I feel still, though, that they're like, look at Audition. Audition was great. That movie, I saw The Devil really cool, and I wouldn't, uh, that's more of a thriller. The Devil? Uh, there the was one a, in the elevator? The M. Night Shyamalan movie? No, I saw The Devil. Oh, I thought, okay. I thought you were saying, I saw. You know, parentheses. No, the no, no. Movie, the, the devil. No, no, no. Um, okay. <laughs> there was another movie called The Wailing. I believe it was a Japanese horror film. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of like foreign horror films that I've seen that I'm like, man, cool. Like, America is not the place for horror anymore. At least not right now. Well, I mean, the movies you're talking about there are from like the J horror heyday of the early 2000s. Like, I don't know. I mean, The Wailing came out in 2018, I think. Oh, did it? Okay, I didn't. I have not heard of that. There's a and you know, like, the, and I know that you know, The Ring, The Grudge, One Missed Call, those all started as J horror. Um, Audition, Old Boy, which isn't really horror; it's just psychological thriller. Um, there is something to be said for creativity from the international pool of films where there's a lot of interesting and new ideas that are kind of fresh takes or they're taking ideas from their traditional folklore or they're taking inspiration and then twisting it to a high degree. I mean, if we were going to do like, like American horror story, right? That's a great thing for horror right now. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I think that for the horror community, American horror story is doing fantastic things because it was using a lot of American, like the freak show and the haunted house and the cult and all of those concepts were really flushed out. Well, but how come we can't see that on the big screen where, why are we just keeping these same time and time again and old used, Oh, we're going to do a jump scare here. We're going to have the music build and blah, 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 blah. I think it's cool that the new screen subverts that with that scene you were talking about. Yeah. I mean, the, there's a lot of movies that do that to like unintentionally or not like people like people making movies know i've seen i can't think of any titles right now but almost every horror movie i have seen recently has had at least one fake out thing where someone opens a cabinet and you assume now it's to the point where i've like gotten full on in the other direction i assume there's no one behind it because it's such a familiar like fake out bit at this point right right um i don't i don't know but the the like in terms of like why stuff is happening on TV and not in movie theaters as much, I think it's because the landscape is so different, right? Like you've like golden age of TV going on starting in the two thousands and continuing into now, basically where you can get, and you can almost get like more prestige from making a really badass TV show than you can from making a movie, you know? And if you want to That's tell fair. a long story, you can't really. Most people don't want to see a three-hour movie, let alone a nine-hour movie in three sequels that come out three years apart, you know? Right. Which is what American Horror Story would have to do if they were going to release a single season of their show like a movie. Right. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just a different... There's also, like, way more stuff coming out now. You know, just, the, like, there's so many platforms... Right. Do you know that uh, in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 74, oh, yeah. only 
one the the chainsaw actually only ever shows like going through flesh and skin to one character is it when he drops it on his thigh it is exactly it. It is when Leatherface drops the chain, or he gets the chainsaw knock, like it hits his own leg. Do you know that that scream though is real? Because uh, he had a metal plate covering his leg, and the friction of the chainsaw against the blade oh. or against the plate caused the plate to heat up, and it actually uh, burned his leg. Man, well, good on him for keeping so that it all scream and is sounding. Probably wasn't, probably wasn't <laughs> yeah, mics either though, so it probably sounds really weird from far away. Uh, um yeah it's uh i mean there's a lot of like little things in there that are just you know oh we didn't think about that a or we didn't have the budget for that b or etc etc but it works so well it's not like it's not the cleanest movie in terms of like the editing is not polished and the sound effects are like and the sound is not polished like at all but it still definitely works for what it's doing and the last part is probably the reason the movie stuck around for so long is so like remembered is probably just that last sequence. Right. I mean, it's when I, yeah, it's hard to talk about horror and not work your way to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre dinner table scene. It's one of the most unhinged, psychotic, uncomfortable scenes in cinema, I really have to say that. And honestly, I mean it. I've seen way more gross shit in Eli Roth films. I've seen uh, the, like the coin flipping scene in no, in no Country from Old Men is a beautiful piece of cinematography and it's tense as hell because you know what happens if the guy loses the coin flip and the attendant doesn't and all this. Uh, Hitchcock, of course, did a shit ton of like tension and horror building, but that dinner scene is just fucking insane to watch, to think about, okay, we're going to film this and just scream and don't stop screaming. And there's no other sounds. There's no other music. It's just, it all like really you could pat, like, I, I think if you could take someone and just show them that entire last scene from like her getting up from the, like at the table running through the woods and all that before she hits the road, that could pass as a snuff film. And I that, feel like and that like that kitchen table framing like sort of that the way they have all of the actors set up like that gets I've definitely seen that same setup in other horror movies since then right like there was it was called I don't remember what it was called it's some Australian horror movie where this this woman this this high school girl kidnaps this boy that she wants to go to the prom with and there's a scene where he's like tied down to a chair and they're at the dinner table and he's like the dad is also crazy and it wants to get to know the son before he lets his daughter go off to like crazy prom in the right. basement with him. And that's set up the same way where it's him at one end of the table and the other two at the other end, just like being crazy together and getting closer and closer to doing something really fucked up to him. It works like, really well. It was... People being like subdued or drugged in some way at the head of a table while like some menacing group of wackos is at the other end is like now. It's... Right. Definitely You know, I I love it too because even that conversation when he's like, get grandpa and he's like, shut up, you're just the cook and it's like, oh fuck, like that means the barbecue that they showed and like he's the Uh, cook and these are the fucking killers and they like Leatherface brings the grandpa down and they have the hammer and they're like, hit the bitch grandpa and they he can't like hold the hammer and 
the entire time she's just like screaming and fighting and it's like fucking Christ. Like this is genius. <laughs> like really, this is fucking unhinged. It's rough. Rough to watch. Yeah. Yep. Um, and you had never seen the original before this, right? Yeah, I don't think I had. If I have, I didn't remember it, but no, this is I think this is my first time watching it. So what how uh I mean you're a horror guy too. You watch a lot of horror and stuff. How did you think? How do you feel? Well, when, like I, it was all said and done. Like I said up top, this is like not my favorite like kind of horror movie where it's basically just like watching someone be like slowly mutilated and go through misery. Right. Um all that being said, it was I think it was like good with that caveat for me personally. Um and it's always interesting to see these like progenitor movies, right? Where you're like, right. oh, Crotchety Gas Station Man. I think that originated Crotchety Gas Station. You know, and then it, like <sighs> the the dude from like my favorite character in Cabin of the Woods, right? The right. Like, Civil War gas station attendant. <laughs> um, yeah. So it is yeah. it's fun seeing that stuff get originated. But then Honestly, the rest of the movie, I was kind of surprised by A, how little happens, and then B, sort of how, well, mostly by how little happens. It's like, no, right. going on in the movie. Honestly, it's, it's really, it, it, it's really not. It's like, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of like, that hitchhiker's weird. Why'd he cut himself like that? Yeah. Hey, Franklin, where's that watering hole? And then it fucking cuts to just like, dead, 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 dead. It's yeah. like, what? Yeah. And then credits, you know? Like, yeah. It's a it's a quick watch, definitely, and and it, it just mwah, like Chef's Kiss for you genius bastards to make a short, compact movie. It, it that's timeless. I mean, it 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 looks old because it is old, but it doesn't feel dated ever. Yeah, it's helpful that it's like small. The scope is very small. There's only like right. six actors in it, or seven or i don't know a small number of actors small scope one basically like two sets if you count the van and then like <laughs> the house in the right. area outside of that house so so um as i told you this i live in texas i moved here um the house the original house is now a cafe yeah right they picked up the entire house and moved it somewhere yeah yeah, it's called. It's in Kings Island, uh, Texas. It is a cafe. Uh, I'm absolutely planning a trip there just to one to take a picture inside of that main hallway because they kept the house the same. Like they didn't break or shift anything. They just built around the house to make a functional cafe. Mm -hmm. So I want to stand in the main hallway where the back door, like the sliding door down on the meat factory or right. where the processing room is and all that. Uh, and they have like cardboard cutouts of Texas chainsaw and they have like pictures and little post notes and stuff around it, but it actually looks super pretty. Like, cause of course they've done paint and roofing and yeah, all of that. So, so replace the front yeah. door. Cause it was all chainsawed. Right. You, know, you gotta, <laughs> um, but they made it look really pretty and really nice. And I, I, now that I know that a, this place still exists, because, you know, the Amityville house was remodeled. The original cabin from Evil Dead got burned down. Um, this is one of the last places of, like, horror uh, um, legend of, like, 
horror legacy that exists, you know? Yeah. And it's still functional and alive. And I'd love to go there and just, yeah, I I got it, you know? So uh, definitely I will update you when I go there. Um, When it comes to Texas Chainsaw, I know you're not into like the body horror. You're not into like the torture stuff. If you had to, if you were in control of Hollywood in every degree and you're like, I want a new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, who would you get to direct it? Like whose vision would you like to see this movie remade as? Who do you think could do a great Texas Chainsaw? Oh, uh, Baz Luhrmann. (laughs) (laughs) Are you being serious? No, I, I thought it was the the weirdest answer I could think of. Okay. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, of, of, part Romeo, of, of Romeo yeah. plus Juliet and right. Well, what? Because that was also what was it the Red Carpet trilogy or the Red Curtain trilogy or something? Oh, I don't know. I know he did like he did Romeo plus Juliet and Chicago and The Great Gatsby. He's like, well, so he, it was called something, but it was he did Romeo plus Juliet. He did Moulin Rouge and he oh, did yeah. Strictly Ballroom and those three together. Uh. What were the, uh, they were called, uh, the Red Curtain Trilogy. Hmm. Okay. So, the, the, I didn't, so, I didn't yeah. know that. I just know he has a very eccentric style oh. that does not match horror in the slightest. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't know. Why do, who do you think? I'll, I'll ponder mine for a real answer. Uh, I've got two who I think could do a really good Texas Chainsaw. Okay. I either want to see Rob Zombie. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Or Cronenberg. Oh, oh god, the the possibility oh, of that yeah. makes me uncomfortable. Oh yeah. <laughs> Cronenberg doing Texas Chainsaw? Mwah. Huh. Like I I know that Cronenberg's a little more cerebral in all of his films, <laughs> but just the idea of like I'm going to make a movie with a chainsaw killer and I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> That's so like Ah, that would be so good. Because also, the reason why I say both of those is because Rob Zombie, all of his movies, with the exception of Halloween 2, are pretty solid. I enjoy his brand of horror because there are a lot of love letters to the classic horror genre. Uh, Devil's Rejects, House of Thousand Corpses, 31, um, Lords of Salem. Uh, really like Lords of Salem. That's really? his love letter to Cronenberg. Yeah. Know. I did not I did not finish that movie and it wasn't because I like had other things to do I just turned it off. See, I, I really liked it. Hmm. Well, I, I, I was disagree, I I, but... I enjoyed the whole thing. Uh I really like Lords of Salem. Um So, I I think that Rob Zombie could do a really nice love letter. And he kind of did really with Devil's Rejects and House of Thousand Corpses. Yeah, so it's definitely really, like House of a Thousand Corpses is definitely like the hillbilly family, his version of and, that movie. Right. Um, so really, I guess I already kind of got my wish. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I but, don't know. But like, but Cronenberg doing it would... That would be uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Because um, it's not like Cronenberg's going to pull punches. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to think of like the weird... You know, like a Cronenberg, the hills have eyes would be like maybe more on the nose because oh. he could do all kinds of like. I mean, he could still yeah. do like weird 
nuclear mutations in this too, I guess. <laughs> you right. find a way, I'm sure. <laughs> right. Um Yeah, yeah I, I have no like I, I have no qualms yeah. with the Cronenberg Texas. I'm gonna, Chainsaw, I'm gonna but... stick with Baz Lerman and I think we can really <laughs> amp up that scene at the end where Leatherface is dancing with the chainsaw. Just like make that into a big <laughs> Show stopping, <laughs> big fireworks going off, musical number. At the end. <laughs> it would have to be like Texas plus cha- or like Texas or like Chainsaw plus Massacre. Yeah, it. You know what? It could be like a. You know how in that that TV show, The Critic, they have that ongoing joke about the musical hunch. The like, <laughs> <laughs> you could do. We'd have a musical called Leatherface or Chainsaw. Oh my god. <laughs> It could be the sister sequel to Silence. Yeah, yeah, there we go. I'm going to start working on my smooth musical for Chainsaw. (laughs) Chainsaw the music. Oh, shit, that's good. That's really good. I like that. Oh, man. Um, So are you going to see the new Texas Chainsaw then? Yeah, probably, but that doesn't mean I think it's a good idea. Uh, um, all right, Alex. Well, I got to ask, man, when it comes to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, are you going to reboot it or are you going to deboot it? No, I think we should leave this corpse where it lie. I don't know. Just, you know, remember it. But all that being said, like I just said, I will continue to watch. So I don't know. We should stop, but uh, I won't stop. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think you're going to. I don't think anyone's going to improve on the original because you can't improve that dinner table scene without tarnishing it or making it too much or not enough. Um, so I'm going to have to say deboot it, but I'm not going to not watch the new one. So <laughs> Yeah, we're not monsters. Come on. Yeah, uh, it, it's more like morbid curiosity. Yeah, no, that's why I that's watch really a lot why of, I keep watching. I yeah. watch a lot of movies because of that, like that I fully expect to be terrible, but I go in there anyway. Yep. Uh, all right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us. Check out Texas Chainsaw 1974. Uh, or 2003, or any of the others, if you're interested. Maybe one of them is a hidden gem, because I haven't seen fucking The Next Generation, Ring and nothing. I won't. <laughs> uh, so I have been Griffin for a reboot, deboot. And Alex for the same podcast. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Well, we better get going. I wonder, will we ever see each other again? Who knows? God willing, we'll all meet again in Spaceballs too. Search for more money. Kawabunga.